So today we start a new series called Moving Mountains. And, and I wanted to just take a little time to talk to you a little bit about this one mountain called Annapurna. Uh, it may not be one that you're really familiar with, but it's one of the uh, few mountains that falls into the 8,000ers club. The 8,000er mountain club is mountains that go above 8,000 feet. At this point, you have to be a serious climber to even want to take on one of these mountains. The crazy thing about Annapurna is this. To get there, you have to travel to get there, of course, but you have to either take a plane or a bus as you kind of get closer. You have to be permitted to go, and it's advised that you take along with you a guide, a, a Sherpa, to take you. Now, it is one of the most traveled of the 8,000ers club. And you may go, well, then that sounds like the one for me. Some of you are already writing that down. I'm going to take on Annapurna. It is also the most deadly. 33% of the climbers of Annapura don't come back. And in fact, a few years back, there was a group of climbers that decided to take it on at the worst possible season, and none of them came back. A group of 14 perished on the mountain. They didn't find half of them when they went to go find them. And so you start to say, I think I've got those kind of mountains in my life. Maybe you're like me and you've seen some times where you have felt like there's a mountain in front of you that is unclimbable, that is undoable, and is frankly just out of your control. Maybe you're on that mountain today. Maybe it's, it's pain, maybe it's suffering, maybe it's debt, whatever it is, you've had a mountain in front of you and you've seen it for so long that you're terrified of it. Climbers say this, that the most terrifying place to see a mountain is at its base. Because only at its base does it look big. And so you have to start climbing, but that is not our story today. Our story is not that you need to start climbing the mountains of your life. Our story starts with a fig tree. Jesus is walking with his disciples, and they come up on a fig tree, and it has no fruit. And so Jesus, just in passing, says these words, Cursed are you, fig tree. May you never bear fruit again. And they move on. In the story of the Gospels, as it's being told, you can look it up. It's, I believe, Mark chapter 10, um, that he passes this fig tree, or uh, verse, chapter 11, verses 12. He talks about this fig tree. It's just a side note in the story. As they're traveling through, it's wrapped around the triumphal entry and the cleansing of the temple. This is when this happens. It's a passerby moment in Scripture. And in fact, if it would just have been left alone there, we probably wouldn't teach on it much. I mean, you, you know that every Easter we're going to talk about the triumphal entry. At some point in the year, we're going to talk about Jesus cleansing the temple of all the stuff that they had made religion what it shouldn't be. And so we, we're going to hear those, but this fig tree is one of those pass-by moments in Scripture. And it would have been if they didn't come back to it. So look together with me at Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 20. Mark 11, verse 20, it says, Early in the morning as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. Jesus replied, yeah, I know. Is that what your scripture says? That's not what mine says either. I mean, for Jesus, it is a passerby moment. 
But remember, Jesus uses lots of great things to teach his disciples what he really is and what they should really experience. And same thing for us. The fig tree could have been a passerby moment, but it's about to move our mountains. Jesus says this, have faith in God. That's his response to Peter. Peter's looking at this withered fig tree, and he's like, that is crazy. Like just the other day, man, you were like, you're cursed, and now it's like completely dried up. This thing is a tumbleweed waiting to happen. And Jesus goes, have faith in God. And he says, I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, and I don't know which way Jesus was pointing at that way. If some of y'all been in Israel and had that moment where you walk through the withered fig tree moments, I don't know where it is. But he has to point at a mountain, and I'm sure that it looked big. Because Jesus wouldn't have pointed to a molehill at this moment. That's what we do. We only want Jesus to move our molehills, right? You remember that statement? You make molehills, you make mountains out of molehills, remember that? Jesus is not pointing at an ant bed and saying, if you looked into this ant bed and said, move, the ants would pick up and move there, everybody would move and it would just be clean ground. That's not what he's saying. He's pointing at a mountain and he says, look at that mountain. If any of you says this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, all things you pray for and ask for, believe that you have received them and you'll have them. And whenever you stand praying, if anything against anyone, forgive him of your wrongdoing. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. Jesus uses the fig tree as a moment, and I believe Jesus does amazing things on purpose. I believe when he walked past that fig tree, he said to that fig tree, you're withered, but we'll be back. And it just happened to be that Jesus and the disciples happened to be walking by the same fig tree again. Right? It's just happenstance. Man, I believe Jesus is like, it's time. Because these guys don't believe the power that I have. By the way, it is the power of Christ that moves mountains. Not your strength. Not your might. The power of Christ. Believe in God is how Jesus starts his teaching. Mountains remain where there is no faith. Mountains remain where there's no faith. Now let me just tell you something. I do not believe that God's going to bless the fact that you go out to the canyon today and say, move canyon. Because that's not going to be God honoring. You know who it's going to be honoring? You. And I don't believe that God's just in the mountain moving business. I don't believe that he sets out just to let Christians move mountains on a daily basis. I don't think like the Alps are all of a sudden going to move to Amarillo, Texas because some dude in Canyon wants to see the Alps more. I believe that God moves mountains where there needs to be a mountain moved. And he waits for Christians that will pray desperate, heartfelt prayers of belief. I believe God can move mountains. I believe that God can wither fig trees. And so if I believe that, Jesus is going to teach you and I something very valuable. The question is, do you believe this morning? So let's go back to the basics. Do you really believe that Jesus withered a fig tree? Yes or no? Okay, y'all can talk. Just, I mean, it's really okay. Um, Do you believe that Jesus withered a fig tree? 
Okay, that's so foundational to what he's about to say then. Because for Peter and the disciples, there is no faith associated with the fig tree withering. There's zero. They don't have to have faith that the fig tree withered. They have seen it with their eyes. They saw it alive with no fruit, and now they see it withered from the roots up. It is dead, and it wasn't a few days ago. It just had no fruit. Jesus wasn't killing a plant just to kill a plant. He killed a plant to prove a point. Now, I want you to know something. I believe Jesus could have easily said, grow fruit, and that dead plant wouldn't even have to have roots, and it could have produced fruit. So it has to be foundational that we believe that Jesus withered this plant to begin with. So once we have that, and we can check that box. Now we can start to get to what Jesus is teaching about this withered fig tree. And that's this. We stink at faith. We really like tangible obedience. It's so much easier to believe in something we can feel. I believe right now there's a podium holding up my Bible. I have faith in it. Go get it, podium. My faith would be so small. Faith is believing in something that you can't hold in your hand. It's the evidence of things not seen. Don't you feel it today that so foundational is this moment that Jesus calls on you to have faith in something greater than you? I want to set something up for you before we get to this next point. The problem with faith is doubt creeps in as equally fast. Doubt is the next door neighbor to faith. You know how I know that? Because as you grow in your faith, you know who's going to move in? Doubt. Now, here's what's not godly. Godliness is faith. In fact, Jesus allows us to have more and more faith. We get that from Scripture. People ask for help with faith. So if people ask for help, help my disbelief, then faith is something that is not only believed in, but can be increased in us. And we need to ask for help with that. But doubt moves in as a next-door neighbor, and he is louder. He's the next-door neighbor that is always outside watering his yard. You go out and grab the paper, and he goes, hey, neighbor, looks like you're not watering your grass enough. Are you sure it's greener on the other side of the fence? You go, well, maybe. Uh, it, it's good. Hey, um, are you sure that your insurance premiums are enough if you had a colossal fire? I've got all the insurance you need. You should move into my house. I'll move into yours. Because like a good neighbor, doubt is there. Doubt is always the loud neighbor. And what does Jesus identify at the very first of this? Because here's the problem with this in context. Let's just listen to what Jesus says again. Peter, verse 21, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. And Jesus' response is, have faith in God. And then he says to them, I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Jesus doesn't care about the fig tree. He's astonished by the fact that they didn't believe that that fig tree would be gone. So when Peter sees the fig tree and he's like, yes, Jesus, woo, you did it. Jesus is like, 
I'm Jesus. Where's your faith, man? Like, of course it's done. So his response is not, good find, Peter. Why don't you talk to the other apostles about how much that withered fig tree meant to you? He says, have faith in God. You see that mountain that you've been staring at? I just don't believe that Jesus said, somebody pray and ask that mountain to move right now. Go ahead. Lack of faith. Somebody else, lack of faith. Someone else, lack, none of y'all are going to do it. I don't think that was Jesus' sermon at all. I think Jesus is trying to remind them of what they possess in his presence. And so our next point is this. Doubt keeps the miraculous from taking place. It always does. Doubt keeps the miraculous from taking place. And in your life and in my life, we rarely see the miraculous because we believe so much more in things that are told to us than we can believe in. If we're really being honest, our faith looks more like lemmings than it looks like faithful children. Because we'd much rather run into the fire with five or six other brothers than run in with a, a God that's just called us to that we don't see running. It's easier to run in packs than it is to run after God. And that's why he has to remind us, have faith in God. Look at your mountains. What are your mountains today, friends? What are the mountains that you see in front of you that are so big and so devastating, there's so many others that have tried to climb and have died in the process that you're standing at the base, fearfully moved by it, going, I don't think I have what it takes. You have a God behind you that says, tell it to move. Tell it to move. When's the last time you prayed that prayer with the mountains of your life? God, this seems insurmountable. God, this seems devastating. God, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. So move it. Because in your power and in your strength, you can move the mountains of my life. And what's more is God delights in it. He delights in moving your mountains. He doesn't want you to be devastated. He wants you to be powerful in him. The church should not be a place of cowardly people that pray prayers like, well, if you want to, God, maybe you can do something. That's not what Jesus just preached. He is not telling the disciples, therefore I tell you, ask something and maybe it will happen. Is that what your scripture says? Verse 24, therefore I tell you, all things you pray and ask for and believe that you have received them, you will have them. That is a powerful statement from Jesus' mouth to us. Let's not take that small. Let's take it on. If Jesus says to move mountains in your life by praying and believing, you should probably pray and believe. Or you can be like so many others that stand in Christian faith, looking at mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain and going, I'll just stay home. God, I... Maybe if you're interested, could you come and move a mountain? There is no or of faith, according to Jesus. He has no passive followers. He calls us to be consumed by him, loved by him, challenged by him, led by him, or nothing at all. So I just got to tell you today as we talk about mountains, and we're going to spend time with the mountains of our lives over the next few weeks, we got to start with a basic thought of this. Is Jesus big enough to move your mountains? Okay, listen, I, 
I went yesterday, Nolan and I decided we we're going to have a dude day. So we planned it out. We, we bought tickets to a, our favorite football team. We, we ran out there. We stood in the midst of them. And every time the band would play, you did these motions and movements, and it was awesome. And we got into it, and we loved it. And then, like, the cheerleaders would stand on the field, and on one side they would say a word, and then on this side we'd say a word back, and it was back and forth and back and forth. And it was powerful to be there. Because on one side, uh, I'll say it because my team lost yesterday, they'd say, Raider! And on this side, they'd say, power. And on this side, you'd hear, raider. And on this side, we'd hear, power. And on our side, it felt like no one was saying anything, right? Like, on our side, it's like, power. Why isn't anybody doing anything? And you'd hear, raider. You're like, cool. Power. You know, that's what it sounded like. But, but I got to tell you, from, from our side to their side, they had to have heard something great because they kept getting louder, and so did we. But why is it in church world that when we count on the promises of God, only we don't believe it? I mean, we've got religions all over the world that believe a gospel that is so desperately in disobedience to the truth of the word of God. And they will stand on street corners declaring God's presence. But when I just simply say something like, do you believe that God can move your mountains? We go, yeah. Power. I believe that we should be so moved by Jesus' words here that any mountain in our presence should be trembling and quaking because it knows, although the enemy has set up a mountain in front of us, it is about to be devastated by God's movement away from us. Do you believe that? I mean, I, I just, do you believe that Jesus can move your mountains? Because if you do, you need to have some faith and ask him to do so. Because here's the promise. If anyone, I assure you, I love that moment. The I assure you is Jesus saying, here's my signature on this promise. I assure you, if anyone says this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. That is Jesus' promise about our mountains in our life. So you're going to have mountains. You're going to turn a corner and it's going to be right in the middle of the road. And you're going to see it and I promise you it's going to bring devastation. These mountains want to kill your family. They want to kill your businesses. They want to kill your classmates. But you know what they are? Temporary road map stops. And they should be places of valor, places of victory rather than places of death. And the holy awesome difference about this is this. Jesus says to us, Pray and believe, and that mountain doesn't even matter. Just pray and believe, and I can do anything. But pray and believe, and you'll have it. And I love that promise. Listen to verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, if, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. So your Father in heaven will also forgive you of your wrongdoing. This is another part of that promise. This is another part of that power. Because we have so many places in our lives where we've prayed at mountains and gone, move! Just move! And Jesus goes, hold on a second. Believe and forgive. Believe and forgive. Here's why. When you believe, I can do powerful things, and when you forgive, I can forgive you. Believe and forgive. There are powerful promises over us. Listen to this, this uh, verse, if you will. Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. And faith sees the day. 
Doubt dreads to take a step, and faith soars on high. When doubt questions who believes, faith always answers, I. Do you believe that Jesus can move your mountains? So we need to start believing in him and trusting in him and understanding that that is the kind of faith that Jesus can build things upon. He can't build stuff upon people that have no faith. They're unstable. He can't trust them. He gives them promises and they never take him up on them. This is the promise that Jesus says, cash that check. I've given it to you, but you got to do something with it. If you believe it can happen, mountains can be toppled, seas will rise, things will be changed if you believe. Do you believe it today? Because doubt keeps the miraculous from taking place. Here's the last. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is mountain in front of a mountain. Unforgiveness is mountain in front of a mountain. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus just tells us, you're praying but you're not forgiving. And so you're missing a key point in this whole story today. And I don't know what's happening in the disciples' life at this point. I don't know what grudges they're holding. I don't know what's going on in their lives. But in this moment, he's speaking and someone's really listening for the first time. He first goes to the fig tree and he goes, have faith. When you pray and you believe, look at that mountain. God can move that if you just have faith. Just have faith. He can topple it. He can move it out of your path. And then he says, forgive. If you're standing there praying, can you imagine this? The mountain in front of you, a man standing in front of the mountain and just going, okay, mountain. Jesus says, if I believe, you're going to have to move. <laughs> you know? And the mountain's like, mm, no. No, nope, not today. And it's like Jesus sees that man standing there going, please move. Jesus says there's a man is standing there praying. And if he has something to forgive his brother about, he should forgive him. So Jesus can also forgive him of his wrongdoing. Believe and forgive. Some of you need to find your way this morning to the altar. And start believing that God can move your mountains. And start letting him have the, the, the dues that he is due of your life. If he is truly the Lord of your life, he deserves the faith to move your mountains. You need to believe in him and trust in him. And I promise you, he can do the work. He is the God that forms the literal mountains. Don't you believe he can move your spiritual ones? And so if Jesus is who he says he is, if you believe that Jesus can move your mountains, Somebody in this room should be coming down and kneeling at the altar and killing their mountains today. There should be pebbles left behind in your spiritual walk today where mountains have stood. The other is this. Somebody in this room needs to forgive their brother today. They have held a grudge against them for so long and they're unwilling to relent. They simply say the words, but you don't know, God, what they did to me. And Jesus is going, stop. You don't know your list of your wrongdoings for me. And I've forgiven you. Forgive your brother so that I can forgive you fully. Amen. Believe and forgive today should be at the core of our prayer life as we worship today. Believe and forgive should be at the core of who you are for the next coming weeks as we talk about mountains in your life. Believe and forgive should be at the core of your testimony today. I believe this with all my heart. Somebody's testimony is about to change today. 
I believe that somebody's life's about to change because mountains that they've stared at for way too long, they believe that God can move them today, and they're going to be moved because Jesus has always been waiting with his hand over a mountain going, believe today, and I can move that mountain out. Do you believe that Jesus can move mountains? If so, today, let him move them in your life. It may take a fig tree, but I'm praying that God intersects your life today and changes it forever with one simple word, believe. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would move in this time of invitation. God, that you would start something supernatural in this place. God, that your spirit would fall and God, that it would change our lives. God, we, we ask today, Lord, that you wouldn't let us just be passive in this time of, of invitation, God, but that we would be just... Lord, fervent and changed by the thought that you can do amazing things when we will believe in you. When we allow you to take the leadership of our lives, you can move our mountains. And God, today we pray, God, that you would search our hearts. God, that you'd do the autopsy on our heart this morning and would find any unforgiveness, God, and you would break that from us. God, so that we could start to experience the fullness of your forgiveness and love over us. God, we ask today, Lord, that mountains would be moved and crumbled in front of you with one word, believe. God, move in our lives. Help our unbelief today. We pray this in the holy and powerful name of Jesus. We pray it. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Guys, I'm telling you, I could use my voice up this morning. But I got to tell you, it doesn't matter unless you'll give your life to Jesus. Believe today that he can move your mountains. Believe that he can change your story. Believe today and come make it known. Don't be a private Christian. Be a bold Christian. Lay it down today. Watch those mountains crumble.